Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, everybody. How you doing out there? Welcome to the program. This is Brad Listy. This is The Other People Show. I'm in Los Angeles. It's good to be with you. I hope you're doing okay wherever you happen to be. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, and support the show at patreon.com slash other pod. Today, I have a new flashback episode for you, a relatively new tradition here on the program where I share outtakes from the archives. Today, I'm going to be sharing an outtake from a 2019 conversation that I had with Tim O'Brien. Tim O'Brien received the 1979 National Book Award for his novel, Going After Cacciato. His other books include The Things They Carried, which was a Pulitzer finalist and was named by the New York Times as a book of the century. His novel, In the Lake of the Woods, received the James Fenimore Cooper Prize. And in 2013, Tim O'Brien was awarded the Pritzker Literature Award for lifetime achievement in military writing. Along with that, there is the good news that Tim O'Brien has a brand new novel due out later this year. It is called America Fantastica, and it will be published in October by Mariner Books. I spoke with Tim O'Brien in episode 616 of this podcast back when he was out touring the country in support of his memoir entitled Dad's Maybe Book. He came to my house. This is when I was doing in-person still, before the pandemic and before everything got turned upside down. And it remains to this day one of the most powerful and most memorable exchanges that I've had on this show. It really stuck with me. And I've thought about it a lot since it happened, wondering why it was so impactful. And the truth is, I don't fully know. I know that Tim and I really hit it off. So maybe we were just in a good mood. Maybe there was something in the air. You never quite know why this stuff happens, but there was a magic for me anyway to this conversation. You would have to ask Tim <laughs> if he agrees, but for me, it was really quite something. 
So much so that I ended up memorializing it a bit in my novel, Be Brief and Tell Them Everything, which features, among other things, a narrator named Brad, who has a, who has a podcast called Other People, and who interviews Tim O'Brien. I, uh, I just loved meeting him, loved this conversation, and I'm very happy to share an outtake from it with all of you right now. I should note that this episode, episode 616, first aired on December 11th, 2019, and you can listen to the full episode, my full conversation with Tim O'Brien, right now, wherever you get your podcasts. It's in the feed. It is available, so have at it. All right? Let's get going with today's flashback episode from my conversation with the great Tim O'Brien. It's interesting that you say this, uh, that you, you're having this experience now uh, where, you know, just to be real about it, like actuarially speaking, um, you know, we don't live forever and you're up in age and you're recognizing that in this book. But you also had the very unique experience of being extremely uh, close to death or confronted in a way with your own mortality that most of us don't experience early in your life in Vietnam. And so I guess a question would be, do you sense a, a distinct difference between your confrontation with mortality in your youth and your confrontation with mortality now? Like what are the differences? The biggest difference is now it's pretty much absolute. Back in Vietnam, it was you're young, you're 19, 20, 21 years old. And although you're terrified of maybe the next instant will be the end, in your mind, there's the expectation that maybe I'll get lucky. But you don't get lucky in old age. That uh, eventually, you know, it happens to everyone. Finality comes down. And uh, it's what revs up, for me at least, the, the squeeze of and the urgency of wanting to articulate some of the things that I haven't articulated in my other books. I haven't ever written about my pacifist inclinations that grew out of Vietnam. I'm not an absolute pacifist, but I, I don't think violence accomplishes much in this world and uh, can have terrible consequences. It can kill the innocent while you're pursuing your absolute beliefs that may be changed two years later. Once there were weapons of mass destruction, you're absolute slam dunk. And we found out otherwise. And a bunch of people died. So the, the squeeze now feels more urgent than it did, uh, you know, 50 years ago in Vietnam. It's not a morbid thought, though, it, because it does increase for me. Um, it increases the desire to squeeze into time all the love I feel, not just for my kids, but for the world I live in. And for what I've done with my career for all my life, how much I've loved make, trying to make good books. And uh, it, in a way, it's a beautiful feeling to have spent the last uh, 17 years concentrating on what wars are supposed to be for. They're supposed to make peace and harmony and concord and civility and decency. Uh and I wanted to write about the opposite of what I'd been writing about for most of my career, about love and 
civility and being nice to people. Yeah. Hey, everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a very sweet book, and I recognize uh, the sentiment of wanting to leave something behind so that your kids actually know who you are. Uh, I sort of feel that way about this show. Just hours and hours of tape of me in conversation when I still have a few of my marbles, you know, and uh, I guess... Even though the, the day-to-day interaction, you, obviously you get to know your kids, especially if you really invest yourself in raising mm. them. But th- there's always just that unknowability of another human being. And we see, you know, I feel it with my own parents. Like, how well do I really know them? So that's one of the main in- things I've learned about being a dad. I can tell an anecdote where I learned the most astonishing thing about my older boy, Timmy. He, he was at the time nine, I think, and my younger son was seven. We were vacationing in southern France and uh, at a way too expensive resort, way out of sight. It was just filled with people who looked like George Hamilton and bejeweled and rich. And my wife. Where, and where I, was it? It was Cap Ferrat in the south of France, sort of near Nice in that area. Very exclusive. We didn't know how expensive it was, but boy, that. The pizza slice would be like, you know, 30 bucks a slice and it tastes like <laughs> duck liver. And I remember $40 for a glass of Coca-Cola. I mean, just ridiculous. And we were all out of place. Everybody looked rich and I looked like a guy in a sweater and a baseball cap. We just didn't belong there. And one day we were outside, my wife and I having a drink, and kind of complaining about the cost of the, the, what we were drinking. And um, I got a phone call, and it was my sister calling from San Antonio to say that my mom had died. And I remember feeling so Midwestern in France and meant my sort of Minnesota roots. I was so out of place, I felt, and so far removed from the, the mother I'd grown up with in a little 
turkey town in Minnesota. And I got up and I went over to my boys who were playing ping pong out on the lawn. And I told them my mom had died and they didn't say much and I didn't say much. And I can recall for a couple of hours that ping pong ball just going back and forth and back and forth, much like what was happening in my head. I have memories of my mom as a young woman and then as a, in a retirement home and in a swimsuit or in the Navy and things like that. And afterward, as dusk came in, we went to dinner. We had to, we left the, this ritzy resort. We walked down a long sloping hill uh, to a town where we could eat more cheaply. And I can recall the purple twilight kind of, it's just so beautiful and the silky air. And I reached out and took Timmy's hand and said, are you, are you thinking about grandma? And he said, no, I'm thinking about you thinking about grandma. And it's, it's an example of what you and I were just talking about, how I didn't know my own son. I thought he was in his little boy world and caring about basketball and Rubik's Cubes and whatever kids care about. Right. But without that, that empathy, I didn't know was inside him. I thought it might come in later years, but it was already there. And how he articulated the empathy through a really terrific sentence, simple sentence, but I'm thinking about you thinking about grandma. It's got rhythm and those two thinkings. It's really, yeah. I didn't have to write it. Right. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> gold. It was delivered to me. <laughs> right. But it, 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 it's an example of how we, in a way, we're all strangers from one another. We're all locked inside these heads of ours. I can't read your mind and my kid's mind, nor can you read mine. Uh, and it it echoes kind of how I felt through my whole life, and through the army and through my middle age years and now into old age, that I feel slightly estranged from everything around me because I I'm always wondering what 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 do I what do I believe about the world and about people, and ultimately what do I believe about myself? I mean, what do I really believe about myself? And the answer is not a lot. I guess and why I do what I do and why I write what I write and why this book came from. But it's, it's guessing. I don't have a lot of... I was thinking about this just the other day myself. I don't know if I have very many beliefs. And I think I'm glad about that. I, I am. I think beliefs are, you know... Anytime I've ever felt a strong sense of conviction, especially when I've expressed it with emotion mm -hmm. in a in a fast way, you know, without mm -hmm. really digging in and considering, yeah. I always come to regret it, me you know, too. maybe not massively, but in some, it might, could be something small and I'll be like, eh, yeah, that wasn't me at my best. Yeah. That's how I feel. You express something only because you feel like you have to make, offer an ex statement of conviction about something, but oftentimes it's hasty and it is regretted. You can be saying, oh, did you ever play sports? You said, yeah, I played high school football. And you instantly realize it wasn't high school. It was junior high football. And you lie awake at two and why did I say that? Why did, I, why did it come out of my mouth? Yeah. I think it's a pretty common common phenomenon. Well, we have these stories we make up uh, that we we might not even share. 
it's almost like, uh, you know, we, we construct ourselves from these memories that may or may not even be accurate. Mm -hmm. uh, I sometimes catch myself, uh, you know, talking about who I am through the prism of memory. And I'll be like, well, after the fact, I'll be like, I don't even know if that's true. Just yeah. like what you're saying, you right. know, like it is like, why do I guess maybe we need a shorthand or we need some way to build ourselves that makes sense. But it, I think it would be nice to be accurate. It is. I mean, it would be nice, but it, that's was one of the huge difficulties. I'm a fiction writer at most of my career. This is a work of nonfiction and it required certain fidelity to what happened, which I thought would be fairly easy, but was really hard. For me, most of my memories have, are no, no longer memories. They're, they've vanished for me. Vietnam, which was so traumatic and powerful in my life, so frightening, so morally uh, painful, is almost entirely gone. There are a few indelible moments that remain. I mean, it's like watching a little video on YouTube for 20 seconds, maybe less, really, five yeah, seconds. Really? What preceded it and what followed it is gone from memory. And it's true of a great deal of my life. It's actually true of yesterday. I mean, who among us could really recount every word that came out of our mouths yesterday and what we heard on television and how we got from the Safeway to home you don't, you, you lose it as you go. But we do live with, a, with this illusion, as you just said, that we know ourselves. But I'm not sure we entirely do. It's hard to be faithful to yourself if you've forgotten most of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had the same experience with my father. It's a little episode in the book where I write about sitting with him on a porch at a retirement home when he was 91 or so. And didn't have much time left. And we were sneaking cigarettes out on the porch. And I asked him where his medals had gone from World War II. They used to be in a bureau drawer under his socks. And they'd vanished. And he said, medals? Was I in a war? And I said, yeah, you were in Ikunawa, Iwo Jima and Okinawa. And, and he shook his head, and a few seconds went by, more than a few seconds, 50 seconds, almost a minute or so, and he finally said, oh, yeah, yeah, those damn kamikazes, you know. You know you sail to war young, naive, and then you sail home, the oldest man on earth, another great line. But then he said, you know, um, I... He, he was in and out of senile dementia. He was, not, he was not demented, but he'd have bad moments like that. And then he said, yeah, but that was that war thing. That was Willie O'Brien. Now I'm Bill O'Brien, which meant that in his youth he was called Willie. Now he's called Bill as an adult. And it, to him it was as if there were two different people whose lives he was, and he'd forgotten the life of one the young Willie O'Brien, and recalled only the life of the Bill O'Brien. And then he said a great thing that gives me some solace now when I'm getting old is that he said, you know, but getting old isn't all, all that terrible. You don't, you don't worry about the future when there isn't any. <laughs> right? <laughs> isn't that a great line? Yeah. You know? What a relief. And this, so those little moments can, you can pluck from the real world pretty indelibly and pretty accurately. And put in a work of non of nonfiction. 
However, I have forgotten how we got under that porch, what we did afterward. I've forgotten everything else about that entire day, except a few words come out of my dad's mouth. All right. There you go, folks. That was a flashback. My conversation with Tim O'Brien in episode 616. It first aired on December 11th, 2019. Great talk. You can listen to our full conversation wherever you get your shows. You can also listen on YouTube. Tim O'Brien's books are out there. They're all in print. He has a new novel in the works called America Fantastica, due out in October from Mariner Books. If you had a good time, if you enjoyed your experience here, I hope you will consider supporting the show over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help keep it going. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a couple of minutes, please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Give it a rating. If you can write a review, write a little review. It helps new listeners find the show. If you would like to get an Other People t-shirt, you can do that at the show's official website, otherppl.com. Don't forget to sign up for my free once-a-week email newsletter. You can do that at bradlisty.com or otherppl.com. And if you want to read my novel, it's called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It is out there now in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook editions. I narrate the audiobook, so I will read it to you. It's called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. All right, you guys, that's it for today. I will be back on Sunday with a new episode, another conversation. I'm not going to tell you who it's going to be with. It's TBD. It's still in the works, but I think it could be good. Let me put it that way. All right. Stay tuned.